My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. Today's podcast is quite innovative, I think. I'm delighted to bring together two people who are literally meeting for the first time today. They've never previously seen each other or spoken in any way, but they share a passion for midwifery, a true passion in that they believe being a midwife is the best job in the world. So what a wonderful opportunity for them to meet and tell us why this is true. We're all really excited about it. So this is an Intentional Coffee podcast. What is an Intentional Coffee, I hear you ask? Well, last year I launched with Dr. Mary Salamra, a wonderful paediatrician in Birmingham, the concept of an Intentional Coffee. An Intentional Coffee is where you bring people together who you know would simply get on and have that special synergy. One plus one equals so much more than two. Sarah Jane Pedler is the lead professional midwifery advocate at the Royal Cornwall Hospitals NHS Trust. I've known Sarah Jane for many years as a leading MATEX, that's maternity experience champion, who has run wonderful annual Who Shoes workshops around all sorts of topics using true co-production from start to finish. She also really impressed me with her innovation during the pandemic bringing humanity and compassion to both women and families and to the maternity teams who support them. Gaynor Armstrong is Director of Midwifery at my local hospital trust, University Hospitals Coventry and Warwickshire. Equally passionate, equally level-headed and practical, I've been working with Gaynor to bring together a truly innovative Who Shoes event around wellbeing, exploring how both staff and women and families have been affected by the pandemic and providing an opportunity for reflection and a chance to move forward strongly together. So it is my huge pleasure to bring you two dynamos together and see where the conversation might lead. I'm hoping it will have a really long-lasting impact, inspiring more people to take up midwifery as a career and also forging some new links between your teams. Perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and what's important to you. Let's start with Sarah Jane in Cornwall, and then come back to Gaynor in Coventry, if that's okay. Oh, that's such a lovely introduction to us both, Jill, and it's really exciting. I absolutely love the work that you do. I think you're such a, an innovative and uh, just really energising for all of us in the NHS, and certainly we found that in maternity services. When I came into midwifery 19 years ago, it's a second career for me. Back then, I was in my 30s as a, a working mum. And I worked for a long time as a frontline midwife. During my career, I've taken on roles as a supervisor of midwives. I've been our practice development midwife. I'm a midwifery ambassador, international leadership management coach, and currently our full-time lead professional midwifery advocate. And I'll shorten that to PMA because it's a bit quicker. So PMA, because um, we, we, we need an acronym here. We don't like acronyms, but we can have an acronym here. It's a bit of a mouthful otherwise, isn't it? And I'm also in my final year. I'm doing my dissertation for my MBA in senior leadership and healthcare. 
As a midwifery advocate, I put a lot of consideration into what it means to advocate for midwifery, both in terms of midwifery as a career choice, but also in terms of retaining midwives in this amazing profession that we are. So just as a, a very momentary thing, just to anchor for me where I am, I've got two direct quotes that I'd like to read before we move on to listen and hear about um, from Gaynor. They're both direct quotes. One's from Charles Dickens and from A Tale of Two Cities and one's from the International Confederation of Midwives. It's from their strategic plan, 2021 to 23. So Charles Dickens first. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. And then my other quote is from, as I said, from the International Confederation of Midwives. And they've said that we need to foster and build the next generation of midwives while leveraging the knowledge and the wisdom of older generations, fostering cross-generational learning, And their strategic priority three is to foster a movement for midwifery, enabling and strengthening partnerships, advocacy, communication, and women's voices at the centre. So for me, advocating for midwifery is about seeking authentic hope and seeking the synergy of new knowledge and the wisdom of experience. That's brilliant. And it's definitely the first time we've had Charles Dickens on the podcast. (laughs) What an amazing start. And I love those quotes. And I love the idea of building a movement for midwifery because, hey, that's what we're doing with Matex, isn't it? And for the people that the midwives serve and the, the whole maternity teams, because everybody's got to work together. So thank you for that powerful start, Sarah Jane. Hi, Gaynor. Say hello to Sarah Jane you haven't met before. No, hi, Sarah Jane. It's really nice to meet with you. And Jill's told me so much about you already. I do feel like I already know you. So Jill was sharing some of the experiences that she's had of working with you and felt that we'd get along. And it sounds to me like we already have quite a lot in common. Absolutely. Gaynor, it wasn't the first career for you either, was it? No, that's what I mean. So Before becoming a midwife, I very much had a career in the financial services industry where I'd worked for 13 years whilst having my children during that time as well. So, you know, I'd had the opportunity of joining a a very well-known building society that was local to me. And yeah, that being supported very much so in that role, but then realizing it really wasn't something that I'd planned to do but more stumbled across so then went in search of my dream after having my second daughter and I said I think my husband thought I was having some sort of midlife crisis um, (laughs) because I decided then to undertake an access to healthcare course having left school with GCSEs back in the 1980s and similar to yourself had two young children then But I decided to join a hospital as a healthcare support worker because I felt that I needed to understand how working in healthcare would fit with having a very young family with my daughter being only 18 months old at the time. So I worked 
firstly in uh, just outside critical care actually on a very heavy ward and I very quickly learned how hard nurses work um, Mm. and worked there for a very short time before I was offered a post in maternity obviously this was my ambition and dream to go and work in that department and I think the team felt I had very rose tinted glasses because it was a real dream of mine to work there and I loved going to work every day always with a smile on my face and a skip in my step so I then kind of thought right this is the next step to take and obviously was in contact with universities to get a placement and was very fortunate to be supported with secondment from that trust to undertake my midwifery training and then I had the opportunity to have some wonderful mentors who one of them Sandra who always tells me now that she taught me everything I know and she really did and some great midwifery experience so yeah I started on my journey very much like you and have had various different experiences throughout my career as well so having been my first 12 months as a hospital midwife then was asked to go out into community as an integrated midwife so very much delivering continuity of care I had my own caseload two days a week community and two shifts in the hospital and saw probably about 75 percent actually throughout the hospital experience for those women and I did that for about five years before realizing I wanted to do more and influence change a little more so I left that trust to go to another to work as a labor ward coordinator it was a huge step and you know I really loved what I did and felt that I could support midwives as well as supporting the women and their families to get their birth choices but also for midwives to succeed and become the midwives that they wanted to be with training and support And then realized again that that wasn't enough and felt I needed a new challenge. So I left that role to go into patient safety where I remained for about five years before coming into this role. So I joined UHCW as the Women's and Children's Risk Manager before then taking on the role as the interim head of midwifery and subsequent then obviously director of midwifery. So I think the thing for me and my biggest passion has always been that I wanted to influence change. And I've done that on an individual basis with women and with midwives as a mentor, as a coach, and also as an advocate for both women and for staff. But then I don't see my role any different now. It's just I'm doing it on a bigger scale. Um, So I can advocate for more women in this role. And that's my honest belief. And that's why I do this job. And that's what helps me sleep at night as well. So yeah, very similar stories that we, uh, our career journey has been quite similar in that respect which is it's just so heartwarming for I think then others to see that it might not have been your profession of choice when you left school or education but actually that doesn't stop you and I've done a, a talk to maternity support workers only last year and I said the thing for me was actually realizing that you should never accept no as the first answer just find a different way It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think for a while, midwifery stopped having lots of different ways that people could get into midwifery. And we're gradually opening up in different ways now, aren't we? Where the only route isn't just that you have to go and do a full-time degree in midwifery. And I think that's so important because although there's 
plenty of people who would want to do it that way. That isn't the right way for everybody. And that isn't actually sustainable and possible for everybody. So one of the things for me that I'm so excited to see that, that we're looking back at getting people who are nurses being able to train as midwives, people being able to you know, become a maternity support worker and then get funded to train as a midwife. I think it's a real barrier for people who have families or who can't afford to go to university without working alongside it. So I think it's really exciting to see that that's been recognised um, because that's how we're going to get and move forward, isn't it? When I look at so many of our problems at work, so much of it is down to staffing. There are the obvious other issues, but staffing is such a huge crux of everything, isn't it? If you don't have enough midwives, everything else cannot fall into place. You, you can't create that people-centered ethos that we want to create. You, you can't create that culture that we're really looking to create where people are, are cared about and their well-being. it really matters. It creates issues for people on the front line. It creates issues for everybody who's line managing and it creates issues for the leadership all the way up. So I think that's one of the most essential things that I can see gradually shifting and changing in terms of that kind of recruiting people in. And it's um, something I'm really passionate about anyway. It's part of that journey that I've taken. I came into midwifery so woman and people centred thinking that I would always really want to be that frontline midwife. And as my career went on, I think particularly when I became a supervisor of midwives, I started to get more and more passion for, well, actually, if we don't get it right for our workforce, then they cannot get it right for those that they care for. It, you know, we, we rightly put women and people at the centre of our care, but if someone isn't then stepping back from that and putting the workforce at the center of their care then you get this kind of domino effect I think of things gradually being displaced and, and a sense of um, real complexity in, in how we provide the care that we want to provide and I think in terms of really maintaining and holding on that sort of sustainability of those who we do manage to recruit into the role we're lucky we you know now we're from an NHS that's really looking to shift and change its culture but that's deeply entrenched isn't it that very strong sense of being stoic of working hard of not taking a break of not saying that you're struggling that's a, a big thing to shift and I think the more we get that combination of people who are fresh from school with their lovely, fresh approach that they have, but also combined by that people who have life experience and are coming to it as a second career. In that combination, I think that's where we start to unlock the ability to have a, a much more wider view on what it's like to be a midwife and what it's like to be in a different role. And We've got so many different roles that we can have and be and do uh, far more than I think, um, certainly that I've ever seen. And I think that's you know partly down to the leadership as well, isn't it? Where I am, we've been really lucky to have leadership that is really looking to build more interesting roles to create those kind of specialist roles. And that obviously gives its complexity because you're taking frontline staff out of the, the frontline working to do those roles. So you've got to be able to keep replenishing them. So bringing people into this as a career, it's, it's where it all starts, isn't it? 
And I think this is where this episode is exciting for me in terms of building really strongly on the fantastic chat that I have with Professor Leslie Page, humanizing birth. Now, for me, with Who's Shoes, you know, people can think that Who's Shoes is about, and it is, getting people to think more what it's like to be in the context of maternity, the women and families, or in wider work that we do, perhaps the people in the community or the patients and so on. But coming back to Gaynor's point, unless people have got that skip in their step, unless they actually want to join the profession in the first place and then stay engaged, stay innovative, you know, the love and the lemons and all the reasons that you came into the profession in the first place, wanting to be women-centred and not just being ground down. So it's trying to build those conversations. We're calling this episode Midwifery Matters. I can see that both of you are passionate about being midwives. Let's get some of that energy in terms of strip away all the stuff and who she tries to strip away the stuff. We can do plenty of stuff, can't we? Guidelines, targets and all the things that are really, really important, but which can change the focus in a way and start to move away from what really matters to people. You kind of move away from just the central, the midwife, the mother, the baby. What is so awesome about that? I think the thing for me as well is I think about conversations that I've had with midwives before. And when we look at, in particular, where we have positive or negative feedback from women about the care that they've had. And I think this is where Who Shoes is brilliant because getting feedback, it doesn't matter in what context, but that feedback is so important for us to shape what we do and how we improve whether that is that we continue because we found a good way of doing it or whether it's that we need to make a change because it doesn't work in that way. And I think how I've then always said to midwives when I've had those one-to-one conversations is that we have to remember we are so privileged to be involved in this part of a woman's life and family's journey into parenthood that that might only be maybe once, twice, three times for some women in their entire lifetime. So how lucky we are to have been a part of that. Now, when we provide really good care and we are advocates and supporting women, they never, ever forget their midwife their relationship with that person. And when we talk about continuity of care, it is all about the relationship of care, isn't it? And I think that's the bit for me that is so precious about being a midwife and what is what makes it so different from some other healthcare professionals that we have this very intense period of time that we spend with the woman, her partner and her extended family. I remember being a community midwife and starting off by seeing one lady, one partner. And then by the time that I finished, it will be that it was five years later, they were embarking on their third pregnancy. When you then get to meet baby number one or baby number two in a very different way. And they're then talking about this is the lady who looked after mummy when you were in her tummy and having those conversations and the sense of pride that they describe you and I know I told you Jill about having recently had Sky installed and when I'd moved house and the chap said to me 
what is it you do for a living? And I thought, why is he asking that? That's really strange. And and I said, oh, because um, I'd said I'd work for the NHS. And I said, oh, I'm a midwife. And he said, you looked after my wife when she had her baby. And I knew it was you, but I didn't want to say it. He said, we absolutely thought you were great. I was, I was so touched and it actually meant so much to me. And then he told me that his daughter was now 13 years old. <laughs> then realised... Uh, that realization of how families move on, but we don't necessarily because this is our day to day, what we do and who we are. And I do think it is who we are. I do think that is part of it. That when I describe myself as a being a midwife, I forget that it's a role. It is who I am. And I'm still as passionate as that first day when I say you walk into work with a smile on your face and a skip in your step. Despite the challenges that we currently have, I absolutely love what I do and wouldn't change that. And how many careers can you have such a multitude of different aspects to it? Yes. You know, as a midwife, you, you have this opportunity to, you're, you're in service, you are able to completely serve your community, which for me was a, a massive part of it. And certainly in the conversations I have with so many of my colleagues, that service element, that being such an integral part of the community is really important. And I think community, you know, COVID has really taught us more and more brought home that sense of community and how important it is to feel part of your community and that you're doing something of real value for your community so I think that's a, a an amazing thing that we do but also we've got all of these different skills that we have to develop as a midwife you're looking after on the whole 40 weeks of pregnancy and then the birth and then the beyond and all the different things you could have somebody coming to you who's really fit, healthy and well. You've got somebody who has all sorts of complications in their own well-being before they became pregnant. People who have lost pregnancy and have had to cope with all of the myriad of the distress of, of, of losing in their pregnancy. There are so many different elements to what we do and the skills that we have to develop. And it's a constant, constant evolving learning. And that's one of the things I think that it keeps it so fresh and so uh, constantly challenging, but in a wonderful way challenging. You know, we, we talk a lot about the complex challenges of midwifery, and I think it's, it's very vocal in, in the press around that complexity of maternity services. But it's also really important that we focus on the complexity of midwifery in the most wonderful sense. All the different things that we have to learn and do and develop and also the way that we can shift and change. So if you feel that you need refreshing in some way, that you're suddenly able to think, okay, well, I'm gonna develop skills in a whole different direction. And the fact that every day something is gonna happen that's completely different. You will never be able to turn up and just give exactly the same as you did the day before. You're, you've always got something that you need to find within yourself, that refreshed energy. It's interesting talking with colleagues of mine and also I've been involved in a few groups that are a national group. So we have some really interesting conversations nationally as well around, well, how do you stay refreshed and, and what do you do? You know, how do you keep that kind of appreciative inquiry, the what if it does work out um, approach, which I think I sense in so many people that 
are still in love with their career all the years later. They're people who have that ability to to think, well, okay, well, what next in the, the best possible sense? Or how do we make this the best out of this? But in a genuine way, because you know we we have to be really genuine. It, it is a challenge. It's a challenging time in NHS services as a whole. But there are always ways and forms. And one of the things that I love is that in my role, I feel so lucky to work with people who, if they're starting to feel, I, I don't know how to look at it through that lens that I've always looked at it through, that you can start to strip back with people and start to really get down to, well, what, what's your sense of purpose? What brought you to it in the first place? Where's your, what matters to me? Where's your sense of purpose as to why you want to be a midwife now in everything that's going on? And I love that when you start to strip the layers back of everything that's going on and everything that's challenging. And when you get somebody to that core of what they feel their purpose is, you could just see it. You know, you see all posture change, their voice shifts, their eyes lighten up. It's just that how do you strip that away and keep people at that stage when, it, you know, for people who not just who've been in it for a long time, but, you know, we have people who are in their vocation for one or two years who find it challenging and maybe not exactly what they thought it would be too, especially if they've come into it into a pandemic, which is, you know, nothing at all that any of us could have ever envisaged. And it's taken energy away from where we were going. We've all had to put this huge amount of energy in a complete different direction. And what from your both because I know Jill, you always seem to manage to keep incredibly energized and upbeat. Um, you know, what do you do? How do you how do you keep that going for you? It's not always easy, is it? And like you say, it has to be genuine. I, I can see that Gaynor's got a really good answer. Have you, Gaynor? I was just gonna say, I think the thing is, you know, it's really important, isn't it? In order for you to remain positive, it's it's good to have people of a similar nature around you as well. So surrounding yourself with people who also have those similarities in our personality types, because I think when you are trying to be supportive of your colleagues, your team, your family as well, who are really anxious at this difficult time, and I think I know, Jill, we've had a conversation because one of the things we wanted to do with the Who Shoes is actually bring together the staff and the women so that there is a shared understanding of the pressures that that has placed upon us when we have got worries about what's going on at home as well as at work. And I think in order for us to support people that does require for us to be energized doesn't it because I think that's where if we are not able to show them the way through some of these challenging times that thing with Florence Nightingale and the lamp with the shining light you know that sometimes we have to be that person don't we so that we can support others and lead the way to continue with that and I think it is that we have to have people around us that are like-minded. And if there aren't people around us, then it's to seek those people out through whatever means we can, both inside and outside of our working life. For me, it's really important that we have what we call headspace. We were in a discussion with our senior team yesterday and saying that sometimes the pressures placed upon us, in particular when you get into any management role within healthcare or 
industries at the moment headspace is so important isn't it and our health and well-being and it's about having those key conversations with our team even if it is on a very ad hoc basis hi how are you today you know how's things going but genuinely then having the time and opportunity to be able to hear what's being said I'm not saying that you always have the solution and obviously I think at the moment with the challenges that you've already mentioned Sarah Jane about the staffing and I know this is being discussed on national regional as well as local levels and we can't get away from that but it's actually letting the team know what we're doing about it and how we're trying to address some of these challenges currently it's not to say that we will always have the answer either but I think being honest being open and sharing that but also engaging and asking people to get involved with you so if any way that they want to get involved in the recruitment process and share their passion and um, dedication for the role as well it just reinforces how they're feeling and that then has that knock-on effect for others as well and I think that's the bit that's important for me is we have got so many people that work with us as our colleagues and friends and peers that do feel still so passionately and strongly about midwifery and I think sometimes this is the reason why it then can be quite distressing and you know it's so disheartening currently isn't it with the challenges that we face and I think it's in that collaboration isn't it Gaynor that that we get our strengths and I think it's one of the things I love about midwifery as a profession because the collaboration is always there I when I look back you know we we talk about collaborating now very much like kind of nationally across different services we talk a lot about collaborating with our service user voice and we've got we're lucky in Cornwall we've got an amazing maternity voices partnership Um, oh and where where did that come from (laughs) <laughs> well it would have always come but we did, yeah. uh, we did launch it didn't we Jill on our who shoes we did and, uh, and you know we just done that was exciting Watson and Nikki Burnett who are just absolutely phenomenal kind of leading our maternity voices partnership it's now Nikki Burnett has taken over the chair there and actually we have our maternity voices partnership as a, a kind of thread through everything we do you know they are involved in our guidelines and the language that we use in our interviews involved in every project where there needs to be any kind of service user voice so for example at the moment we are developing a pathway for people who choose have their birth choice falls outside of guidelines but you know we look at that from both perspectives so we want to get it right for our service users so we've got to have our service user voice in there um so our, our maternity voices partnership is massively part of that but also we're trying to get it right for our workforce because for them that we're in this constant shift and change aren't we how we would have spoken to our service users how we were encouraged to speak is so different when I came into the profession 19 years ago compared to now and I love the direction that it's going but the fact is it's still a shift and change for people so we're developing this pathway together so that we kind of make sure that we look at education for our frontline staff as well so that they feel they've got the skills that they need and it's in that collaboration for me I think is so wonderful and we see it at in every different stage we see it 
on delivery suite in the conversations that you might have when you come out of your room and you just kind of run it by one of your senior colleagues like this is what my plan is what do you think what would you do from the simplest of collaborative conversations and I think again it's one of those careers one of those vocations that really empowers us and also demands us to be highly highly collaborative which as soon as you get into collaboration then you get that energizing and you get that get someone else's view and I think that's that really helps us to stop us from kind of getting stagnant in what we do and stagnant in our view or but I always do it this way and that's essential I think to keep that refreshed energy that's why I love working with people as well who when people come from another trust or when they're newly qualified or when they're students or when they've gone into a new role and had to develop new skills I love that because the conversations start to really shift and change and you can see people sparking off each other and it's that kind of that who shoes approach as well isn't it Jill you know where you're you're instigating things at all times you're looking for that collaboration but you're looking for people to not just teach each other something you already know but where you get that third aspect where you both bring your view in and then suddenly there's that light bulb moment of actually there's something else that neither of us would have considered without talking to each other that wasn't even there that you didn't know it's that unlocking of of knowledge I guess within us and I think midwifery is one of those careers that really enables us to do that it's lovely that you say that. And I mean, I know I've found one thing that I really, really love is the point at a live, particularly the live. I mean, virtual has been different face to face who shoes events where we've sown the seed all the way through for people to make pledges. Now, I've found now, you know, it's like you really experience builds and someone will come up with an idea and I can pretty much guarantee that I'll be able to add to that idea either by it might be easy. There might be somebody else in the room that pops up and say, hey, that was my idea. And you think, well, do it together then. But in terms of the collaboration and the network and what you're both saying about like find your own people, there'll be somebody that's already doing that work. So it's less lonely. I mean, it's just so practical because it saves time to find out what's already happening because you link with other people who've got the same passions as you you can talk and you can develop together so immediately when you were talking then Sarah Jane about developing a toolkit about working with women who want to have a birth that's perhaps outside formal guidelines now Flo so this is Florence Wilcock and the Obspod has done an episode around working outside guidelines so immediately I could recommend a resource that you could listen to and it will add to that conversation because it will be things that you've thought of, things that you haven't thought of, things that you think differently about, perhaps have a chat with Flo. And I think that's what's so special. So your earlier question about Dr. Gaynor's answer was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you keep going with energy? Well, of course you can't. And some of it might be a perception, you know, my lemons on Twitter and sometimes you're really frustrated about something. And I've had some big frustrations over the last couple of weeks when my emails weren't reliably arriving and just you know we all have the stuff but I think it's the human approach and the connections and I use the word friendships not just colleagues and you develop proper friendships through these things so Flo and I have done a magic mates podcast together and that's how we feel and you find people who add coming back to my introduction really that I thought you two would be more than one and one is two and I almost feel I can back out of this now and just let the two of you run with it because 
that's you know you just bring people together and connect and the other really really fantastic thing that we've got that I wanted to share with both of you so last Sunday we've launched the Matex campaign page on fab NHS staff now that's been overdue for years really you know we've looked for a platform whereby supposing from either of your work whether it's a toolkit that you're developing or whether it's a pledge that's come from a who's shoes workshop which might be a little thing or it might be a big thing or it might grow into a bigger thing you know to have somewhere to regularly be able to collect stuff that's what we're now doing so take a look they literally put it together last weekend and they've got 10 starter things well all of the 10 starter things are fantastic but we've now got a channel, all of us, and this belongs to all of us, that we can add little bits of good practice. And it could be the first place that you look, not just to find out a resource, but also a connection. Someone who's the person behind it? Who's the person who's passionate about that? So it's a very exciting time, I think. I love that idea, Jill. And also because there's so many people doing amazing things, isn't, isn't there, you know, across the whole country. And also, I mean, I don't know whether it's just particularly true of NHS services. I mean, in my, because I'm studying an MBA, because it has that business aspect, we're always being encouraged to look outside of the NHS and to look at business and what we can bring into the NHS from business thinking. But one of the things that I see so much in the NHS is this generosity of sharing knowledge. There's not a, I'm holding on to that, that's my idea, I don't want to share that, or I want the credit for that. I know that that, of course, still exists, but the people I talk to, they're so generous with their knowledge, and they're so generous with wanting other areas to grow and share and develop. And I think that comes back to that whole thing that, of course, because we're in service. Because if you help other people to grow, then really all you're doing is making sure that the people in their community get a much better service. So it, it maybe that's underpinned by that kind of whole altruistic attitude that we have underneath it all. But the idea that you could just go onto a platform and that you can think, well, who's come up with something brilliant that I can, I can see and then talk to? I think that's a wonderful idea. And I think... Because you have so many people who are doing so many different projects and certainly from Who's Shoes perspective, it generated so many different, you know, a very different and fresh way of thinking in the NHS. A very different way. Again, it's that collaborative thinking, isn't it? But in that very non-hierarchical way. And it's one of the things that I loved about Who's Shoes, because, as you know, we, we have done several. And we're a bit, bit, a bit stunted through COVID, but we'll continue on. But that's sort of like taking the hierarchy out of it so that people feel the freedom and they're not afraid to speak up and they're not afraid to share their idea. Well, of course, if you've got a platform like that, then anybody who maybe would feel intimidated to share can maybe feel, well, I've got I can, I've got a voice, I can share that too. Now, I was going to say, I mean, again, you know, another similarity that we have, I said on Friday, I've got my last exam for my MBA. It's been dragged out because of COVID, but thankfully it's the very last one but doing healthcare management. And I was thinking when you were talking earlier, Sarah Jane, some of this with collaboration really is around actually the different motivational factors. What makes people want to make these changes, whether that's a service user or whether it is a member of our team or whether it's as personally as individuals. We all have different intrinsic factors that make us then think, well, actually, I'm really going to run with this and I'm going to do it because actually it's so important to me. 
But on the other side of that is the fact that the feeling it gives you when you see others achieve. And I know we often use, don't we, the acronym for team, you know, together, everybody achieves more. And I think there is that thing that when it is that you're in these positions, whether it is like yourself as a PMA, whether it's in line management or whether it is as that midwife supporting the woman in a room. But we do it collectively as a team approach, don't we? But we feel so much better when we've empowered others to do that as well. So, you know, everything that you've just said, I think, is so absolutely absolutely right but different reasons why people will be motivated to do different things and I think what the Who's Shoes has done for us before here at UHCW is actually bring all those ideas together isn't it and actually it then gives us as part of the pledges at the end you know we all have that same commitment to make that change and to make a difference and I think that is so important for us in our roles for the women in the service, but also for the team that we're supporting as well. And I think saying that word team, that's a huge part of what we do, isn't it? And for me, it's one of the the hugest privileges is that sense of team. When you're a midwife, when you work in maternity services, you're working the most incredible partnership as a team in so many different ways. It might be the team on the day out in the community or in the hospital. It might be within a leadership team. It might be across a national team who are looking to create direction. We have the ability to have these highly functioning teams. And I think that's one of the most beautiful aspects for me. And I know beautiful is a strange word to use, but for me, team working is one of the most beautiful things you can ever, ever bring to your life. That ability to be able to be shoulder to shoulder with people, to still challenge each other and challenge each other's thinking, but in a way that you bring alongside, that we're bringing people along with us when we challenge them, getting them to, or you don't need to bring them along because they're so on the page with you already, which is just how I feel having a conversation with you, Dana and Jill today. It's just such a privilege. So I think that's brought us to where we need to get to, because I know people have got to go, but where are we? We've got curiosity, we've got listening, we've got teams, we've got collaboration got pledges so I'd like to think that you two would pledge to speak to each other again after our initial intentional coffee and we've got so many different aspects we could have talked about but I think we've got through a lot really in terms of what matters and why midwifery matters final word Gainer or Sarah Jane yeah I can't wait to come and see you Sarah Jane I shall be down in Cornwall this year I come every year bring the dogs on their holiday <laughs> Oh, I wonderful. Use that. So, um, so nice to meet you and do this in person. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll have to let you know when I'm down. We're coming down at the end of June. So I'll let you know when I'm down. And if you are around and if you're free, I'd love to catch up with you for uh, actual coffee. <laughs> that sounds fabulous. I'd virtual. love that. Yeah, me Jill, too. Thank you so much for bringing us together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you as always, Jill. It's just so great, like you said, just to be able to have this opportunity and hopefully it will help reignite the passion in other midwives and remember why they do what they do as well, which for me is so important right now. I'm sure it will. I don't think I could have spoken to two better advocates for that. So thank you both so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, both of you. You take care now. See you. Bye. Bye, Gaina. Oh, she's fabulous. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, I could have just talked to her all day. I could have listened to her all day. I'd keep remembering to say something and not just listen. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform. And please leave a review. I tweet as Who's Shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And let's hope that together we can make a difference. <laughs>